0: Welcome to The Porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics. (coughs) Of course, my throat waits for the beginning of the show, and the microphone is on to go, ah, we're going to get him. Sorry, let's start that again. (laughs) This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, especially the example of the Book of Acts Church. To see how the early church served the Lord, we dig deeper into Scripture, the Hebrew, the Greek, the various translations, what they meant, what the Lord meant, and in doing so, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. If you hear for a man made church, you're in the wrong place. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world shaking influence. That the early church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. Or you could write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, go to firefalltalkradio.com. There are ways To do that at the bottom of the home page, just pray and give as the Lord leads. We appreciate your support and encouragement. We appreciate your prayers. However it is you would like to help us fulfill our mission, we thank you. Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. There's so many right now, and I'm going to be adding more. I'm just going to leave it at that. You know who you are. Mentioned last week that the newsletter went out. If your name's on the list, you should have gotten it. If not, check your spam folder. Hey, did you know that in stores, I think in New York, they're locking cans of spam up in these little plastic cases that you have to get somebody to unlock for you? Did you ever think you'd see the day? Well, your email may be locked in that box somewhere. Go look and let us know. Give us some input. If this delivery format's not working for you with the email, you'd like a different newsletter, we welcome any input that you may want to bring. So Father, we just come to you right now. We praise you. We love you. We worship you. You are Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy. And we boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy. Just telling you how much we love you clamoring to be near you, to be hugged by you, to be up in your lap. Because we know that the Lord is sitting next to you and, and we get to share in all of that. We're so desperate for that connection and that feeling of love that you just radiate. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. We thank you for looking at our sin and the debt that we had, and realizing we could never pay it, and asking Yeshua to do it for us. So, Lord, you're awesome. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the one who spoke everything into existence, and nothing exists without you. Even now, you still hold it together by the sound of your voice. And all creation groans for your return, as we do. But until then, we want to serve you. And to do that, we need to know you more. We need to know you better. We need to feel you in our lives. I know I do, Lord, each and every day. But I want my brothers and sisters to experience that. We thank you for the cross, the empty tomb, the upper room, which means we thank you For the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't do it without him. So Holy Spirit, thank you for walking with us, teaching us, encouraging us, helping us. So we ask that you do that now. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah. We claim the mind of Messiah. And we cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elion, God Most High, our Father. Protect us, protect the technology, do as you will tonight, Holy Spirit. I will say whatever you tell me to say, I will do whatever you want me to do to bless your children, to prepare them for what's coming, and to make them walk as conquerors in this fallen world. And if you agree with me, just say, Amen. Lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So we're still talking about prayer, behaving like a believer, and the porch has always been about basics, getting back to basics. And then we made it the red letter basics. And as I've mentioned before, when I did that, when I honed it in specifically to the red letter basics, starting with, you must be born again, I watched the numbers drop. But this is about getting back to basics. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says, basics, are the form They form the base or the essence, the fundamental or central importance, constituting or serving as the basis or starting point. And that's what we're talking about. So basically, you need to get your Bibles ready. Open them up. Be prepared to receive. Take notes, highlight, download, and listen to these podcasts, Bible studies, whatever you want to call them. They are given to you for free. Freely I have received, so freely I give. If you want to bless that, that's great. But I'm not sitting here waiting for a blessing to do this. I'm here every week, no matter what. And I believe that getting back to the basics of being a believer in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is necessary for the time we're in now and for the days ahead. I don't know what day is, are, but the days ahead. And it's not about what you know intellectually, it's not about knowledge or gnosis. That's what the Gnostics were about. There's a lot of teachers out there, and I could name some names of people, and I won't I was about to, and the Lord just like grab my tongue, so I can't do that. But there are people, they're eggheads as I call them. They're about knowledge. They're not about spirit. They're not about the supernatural. They know nothing about the supernatural. We serve a supernatural God. We walk a supernatural walk. So it's about knowing him and having a relationship with him. Everything flows from a relationship with the Lord. And the foundation of that relationship is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he loved us when we were unlovable. So now we love him. So the foundation of this is love for him, love from him, and having love for others. Oops, there we go. I lost some of you on that one. Love and compassion. Having love and compassion together are the key ingredients of the life of a believer. All ministry, all evangelism, all warfare requires it. Without it, you will sputter like a like an engine that is on fumes. You will falter and you will fail. Deuteronomy 6.5, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Leviticus 19.18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against the fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then we get it in Matthew 22, the Lord repeating this and telling us this when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his replies. And remember, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did not get along, so they wanted to get in on this, and they figured, well, we'll trip him up. So they questioned him, and one of them was an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Yeshua replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Paul tells us in Galatians 6, verse 10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. If we cannot love each other and we cannot love others, then we cannot serve him. I'm going to say that again, and as I was working on this today, that this that line just kind of echoed and resonated inside of me. Some of you want to be teachers, you want to be preachers, you want to be you want to be on stage behind pulpits, under the lights. I, I, you want your name on pages and invited to do all that. But let me tell you this: if you do not love others, if you do not love His children, you are a, a clanging cymbal and, and a gong on an empty stage. You have to have compassion, you have to have love, and if you don't, you gotta figure out why. Everything we do is a matter of love, it's a matter of the heart. So this series, Behave Like a Believer, is inspired by Romans twelve, verses nine through thirteen. This is the amplified version. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil, loathe all ungodliness, turn in horror. From wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor, be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice and exult in hope, be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people. Sharing in the necessities of the saints. Pursue the practice of hospitality. Love begins at the house of the Lord. There can be no love in this world. There can be no love in relationships. There can be no love unless it begins in the house of the Lord. And when it doesn't, Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. Now, I saw something recently on social media, and somebody was talking about how the house of God was being defiled and defamed, and I put in a comment that not the man posting it or anybody else responded to, and what I said is that is just a building. We are the house of the Lord. We are the church He does not care what happens in the four walls of a building. He says in his word, you can't build a building for me. No longer will my spirit be in a building. They will be in my people. We are the house of the Lord. So judgment begins with us when we don't do what we're supposed to do. Remember, we live an inside-out life, even as a corporate body. Everything comes from the inside out. Love, compassion, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, inside out. We are His ambassadors to a fallen world. We are the light and the salt of the kingdom. And we are the place that people come to find the Lord. They're not going to come to you if you don't love them. They're not going to come to you if you have no compassion for them, if you always have a critical word or you always want to punish them for falling. So last week, we talked about prayer, and I thought I was going to be moving on. And um, yesterday, as I was doing my exercises in the pool, I I tread water now. Instead of walking on a treadmill, it's much easier on my knees and lower back it's a great time to pray. I've already told you I love being in the pool or being in water and being able to pray. Something there's something about that that just connects me to him and as I was treading water for all those minutes um thinking about the Bible study, thinking about the word, talking to him he put it in my spirit that he was not done with prayer. So we're going to we're going to continue on because The Lord is our example on how to behave like a believer. Oh, yeah, we have Paul, we have John, we have James. We have some of the great men and women um, from Hebrews and and the, the early church and even later on. But let's go to the best example that we can possibly find, and that is the Lord himself. Prayer was an active part of his life, first thing in the morning and last thing at night. And he was always connected to his Father. He wants us to be always connected to our Abba Father. If you had asked me what is the key to my anointing, my ministry, um, the things that I do for the kingdom, whether here on the porch or with SRT, I believe... It's all about my relationship with the Lord and with my Abba Father. So when I say the words, Our Father who is in heaven, I, I know who I'm talking to. But you see, what I'm about to share with you started with a request from the disciples. It starts in Luke 11. And it came to pass he was praying in a certain place. And when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Did you get that in Luke 11, 1? He was praying. Lord, teach us to pray. So he said to them, The the one in Matthew six is a little different, but I just wanted to start there because it's where the Lord told me to start. But shouldn't that be our request? Lord teach me to pray. I know some of you are struggling with prayer in your life. You maybe you need to go to Him. Say, Lord, teach me to pray. But see, if we go to Matthew 6, which is usually the one I use a lot, and if you go into the archives of the shows, we did a complete breakdown of the Lord's Prayer over a period of time. All you have to do is, wherever you're listening to the porch, go into the search engine part of it, the search area, and put Lord's Prayer, and it'll bring up all the shows that has that in it. And when you pray, this is Matthew 6, verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. See, when you pray... You must know what not to do first. That's basically what he does here. He tells them what they shouldn't do first. So we, we know from history and from the various commentaries that the Jews prayed at specific times of the day, but regularly at 9 a.m. at 3 p.m. We see that in Acts chapter 3. And then there were other times of frequent public prayer. We see David in Psalm fifty-five, seventeen says, Evening, morning, and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says the hours of prayer in the Mosaic Law were not regulated, but they were recognized to be spontaneous in character although they did have a set schedule. The first one coincided with the morning sacrifice at 9 a.m. And the second was at the sixth hour or noon. And that coincided with the Thanksgiving for the chief meal of the day, a religious custom um, observed universally. But the third hour of prayer coincided with the evening sacrifice at the ninth hour, which was 3 p.m., which is when the Lord died on the cross. So every day, knowing that the day belonged to God, it was subdivided into regular sessions of prayer that were assigned to the devout believer. Now hypocrites, which he talks about, we we know who they are. We, We know the people. You've seen them. I know I have. When they pray, they want you to know though they're praying. Father God, I come to you, Father God, because you are Father God. So, Father God, I'm praying right now to you, Father God. Father God, I hope you're hearing my prayer, Father God. And what I'm thinking when they pray like that is, I don't know if you're driving him nuts, but you're driving me nuts. He knows who he is. Just pray. Just talk to him. But see, hypocrites, they want to be seen. They want to be heard. They want people to know that they're praying. They want to the external religiosity to draw attention to themselves. And that religious spirit will negate the power of any prayer being said because God is not coaxed by endless repetition. As I've shared with you I was, I was raised Roman Catholic. I am no longer, once I got born again, my eyes got opened, and I am no longer Roman Catholic. But I will tell you this, praying was something they made you do, and they gave you specific prayers to pray, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and some others. And you were rewarded for the ability to recite them. I've said this before, and I know somebody got offended, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. I could fire off all of those prayers like a chimpanzee whose butt was on fire. I could get it done from our father to the amen. I'm fire them off there like one of those Gatling guns of bullets. Was I thinking about what I said? No. I was just repeating words. And that's what he's talking about. Don't get caught up in the recitation of prayers and the the many words and doing all that. But in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. That's that's when I pray the Lord's Prayer, that's what I pray. Sometimes I'll personalize it. Sometimes I'll make those words it personal to me. Speaking to him. Because that's what prayer is. But then we get to verse 14. And verse 14 explains to you something that will negate verses 9 through 13. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And in another part, it says, "If you have aught against you, if you come bearing gifts, but you have aught against your brother, put down the gift, reconcile with your brother, and then come back." Unforgiveness will block your prayers. That'll be like speaking to the ceiling. They won't make it out of the room that you're in. If there's any unforgiveness for anyone, anywhere in your life, I pray right now by the power of the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he would pull it up from its hidden place and reveal it to you. The Lord's Prayer is a model of simplicity in contrast with pagan wordiness. There are six petitions in it. It's arranged in three equal parts. Isn't it amazing? The order in God's universe, even in how to pray. In the first part, the thought is directed towards God as your Father and His greatness. In the second, the intention is directed towards our condition and our wants. Two sets of petitions closely related and run throughout the entire prayer. And they are inseparable, and they build upon one another. The hallowing of God's name, the revering of God's name, is a requirement for coming into his kingdom. The kingdom comes through the doing of his will. Now, I'm going to talk about I'm getting ahead of myself here. I'm about there, but I'm going to get ahead of myself. People talk about, oh, the sacred name movement. You must say God's sacred name for him to answer your prayers and to hear from heaven. Really? Here's my sacred name. Abba. Papa. Daddy. That's what the Lord told me to call him. That word when he says our father, Abba, father. Abba. In the Aramaic, which drove the Pharisees crazy and that really... They never said the name of God, let alone call him Abba. That's my sacred name for him. Because if I know him as Papa, if I know him as Abba, I can feel it even as I'm saying it. I have everything. I am his son. If he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, then I'm a prince and a regent. I'm a priest in the order of Melchizedek because he's the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. I am his son. I'm his boy. And the enemy knows that if you know that, you're trouble. So we are called to seek first the glory of God, which will end up in our good. See, when he's first, we're last. But when we put ourselves first without realizing it, you make him last. When we hallow his name, when we revere his name, we are sanctified in him. I will tell you this, he doesn't need me to defend him, and he's told me that. But when somebody defames his name, I get a little riled up. I've told people, by the way, my father's last name is not damn. And they'll look at you and go, huh? I said, You just said the GD word, and I just wanted to let you know, in case you didn't, that my heavenly father's last name is not damn. Some people get really funky and uncomfortable, and oh, 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 I'm so sorry. And then others just glare at you. I don't care. You will not take his name in vain. But the Lord's Prayer is similar to the common Jewish prayer, the Kaddish. And it was a hymn of praises to God found in the Jewish prayer services. And the central theme of Kaddish is the magnification and sanctification of God's name. And it was spoken in Aramaic, the original um, language it was written in. And it believed that if we could sanctify and express his great name that the, we, the hope we were expressing that the whole world would be sanctified by him and his name when the kingdom of heaven was established on earth. And so the Lord gives us a prayer that is based upon the same pattern and meaning and object, objective of that prayer. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees were so blind, blinded by that religious spirit. They either didn't see it or were offended by it. But to us and to his disciples, he gave them a new expression of their faith. Pray like this, not in the vain repetition of pagan prayers, but in the simplicity of knowing that he is your Abba. The Jews rarely, almost never, addressed God as Father. But the Lord almost always addressed Him as Father. May your name be kept holy. Whew. Holy is His name. Holy is the Lord. Holy, 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 Lord. God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. His great name has been profaned by this world, this fallen world, has been profaned by Hasatan and the fallen. It has been profaned by their demonic offspring. And I, for one, have had enough. I've had enough with Hollywood doing what they do. I've had enough with films and TVs and, and internet and media doing what they do. Actually saw something. I haven't posted it yet. It's an image. It's actually a uh, bathing suit ensemble made by a company and worth working with Adidas. And what it is, it's a bikini. And the bikini top in one side says father. The other side says, son, and the little bikini bottom in the air of the woman's genitalia says, Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, really. It's real. If you follow me on social media, I will post it tomorrow. And I looked at that and I said, that's just like Satan. That's just like the fallen angels. That's just like their demonic offspring. Let's demean and degrade, and let's see how far people are willing to go. And right now, on August tenth, twenty 2022, people are willing to go pretty far to profane his name. Ezekiel 39, 7, So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them profane my holy name anymore. Then the nation shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. His holy name to you and me is Abba. But see, our Abba is El Elyon, God Most High. He is the Creator. He is Jehovah. He is the Great I Am. So if you don't understand spiritual warfare, if you don't know what to pray, the next time something comes into your room or your dreams or comes after you, just stop and say, hey, I'm nobody, but do you know who my daddy is? Do you know? Oh, yeah, you do know who my Lord is, because he defeated you on the cross, and he wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life in his own blood. So if you got a problem with me, you take it up with him. When we pray his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that's what we're saying. They don't mess with him in heaven. They got kicked out for rebelling against him in heaven. When we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying for justice. We're praying for righteousness. We're praying for peace and mercy to be established. And right now, it's only going to happen in his kingdom When he comes the second time and establishes his kingdom on the earth, we'll see it. But right now, we are the kingdom of God. We walk in the kingdom. We manifest the kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in all things. And when we say that, as a believer, that means we're good with whatever he decides. Remember, he raises up and he drops kings and leaders. So if God does something one way and then it turns out to be another way later on, you got to be happy with it. It can't only be happy when it's what you want. A believer's good with whatever he does. And outside of his will, No person will be permitted into God's presence. In Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, an area I call probably the most frightening section of Scripture in the Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will come to me in that day, the day of the Lord, the day of judgment, that final moment. Lord, Lord, Adonai, Adonai, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And he will point them to the left you don't get into the kingdom unless you're in his will. And it starts with being born again. He desires all men, women, people to be saved on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us the food that we need. It's basically... We're asking for the manna in the wilderness. We're asking for the daily supply. They came every day except on the day before the Sabbath, and they got a 2 days supply because they couldn't gather manna on the Sabbath. So he gave them enough. We just need enough. What is enough? When you pray, are you asking for needs? And are they really needs? There's a line from a DC talk song, I've quoted it a lot. He said, when you take a want and make it into a need, it's called greed. And that's pretty profound. Are you praying for your needs? That's laid out in the Sermon on the Mount in verses 25 through 34 of Matthew 6. Give us. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need. Needs are a priority, not wants. And forgive us as we forgive others. Oh boy, this is a tough area even for me. Like I said, saved 33 years, almost 34 in October. And just recently, through a series of events, the Lord has revealed an area of unforgiveness that I've had buried, buried deep inside that I thought I was done with. Forgiveness and being able to forgive others is key to who he is. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If we can forgive others, then we are a reflection of him. We are a reflection of a repentant, regenerated heart, which means we have the ability to forgive. If you can't forgive, if you hold grudges, it means you don't love, you have no compassion. Those who have experienced God's forgiveness will forgive. And Yeshua implies that those who are unwilling to forgive have not understood or accepted God's mercy and possibly have never really repented. Matthew 11, Mark 11, I'm sorry. Mark 11, starting verse 22, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them, and you will have them. Now, if I stop there, that's a tremendous name and, and claimant, that's a tremendous faith prayer, but then we have to go to verse 25. Which says, and, which means it's built on what was said before, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Belief and forgiveness are tied together for answered prayer. So, if you're having a struggle with getting answered prayer, ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there are any areas of unforgiveness, because I will tell you what happens to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness becomes bitterness. Bitterness creates a root of bitterness by which many are defiled. And if bitterness stays in your system for too long— your cells begin to manifest that root of bitterness as cancer. I cannot tell you how many people that I have prayed for that had cancer, that had an area of their life of unforgiveness towards someone. And nine times out of ten, when I point it out to them, you would think that they would be quick to repent. They almost always reject what I have to say angrily because they don't want to forgive somebody. They want to hold that grudge. And I've always seen that individual die from the cancer. If you don't forgive, your heavenly Father can't forgive you. So Paul says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to. To one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Messiah forgived you, forgave you. you know it just ran through my spirit. If we say no, I don't want to forgive that person. First of all, we're being defiant to the will, the word and the spirit of the living God. Second, we're telling God we know better. that's that's, that's not a good thing to do. Really, really it's not. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Messiah forgave you, so you also must do. Because if you don't do that, You set yourself up for Hasatan. You set yourself up for the enemy. Isn't it interesting? He talks about forgiveness and then temptation. Don't let us yield to temptation. You see the pattern? It's so amazing here. That when you don't forgive, you open a door to the enemy that he will take advantage of. Yeshua was tempted in the wilderness in Luke 4. And he showed the character of a believer in that temptation. And Yeshua urges us in prayer to God that will enable us to stand the test. My gosh, that's so powerful. Lord, help, help us, help us, Lord. Over these last couple of days, as I've realized what the Lord's been doing, using another situation to point me back in a direction I had thought was done, the box was empty. I didn't realize that I had packed up this anger and this unforgiveness and this pain and this hurt in a nice little box, and I had taped it shut and I pushed it all the way back in the corner where I didn't have to look at it, and I just forgot about it. help us, Lord. Show your children right now. Show them right now, Lord, where that box is. Help them cut the tape off the box. Rip the lid off the box. Turn it over. Throw it all out. Whatever that person did to you, it's on them. And sometimes you have to look at people and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Sometimes people can't but do what they do. They've been programmed so badly. They've been abused so badly. It's just like that, that dog that you want to rescue if somebody rescues, and it's an aggressive, reactive dog because it's been mistreated. And until love can wipe away that experience, we need to let go. So many hurting people out there that need you, to tell them how God did it for you. I know some of you are wondering, you know, Richard, what are you talking about? I'm not prepared to go into detail yet, but I will. I think it's going to be a separate, probably, testimony teaching night. But here I am, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do. I'm with the Lord all day long. I'm in His Word. I'm praying, preaching, teaching. You know I love to do this. Somebody even wrote me and says, I can hear the smile in your voice. I love this. I love talking to Him about His words. I miss Pastor Shelley so much because when I would go get a revelation or the Lord would show me something like He did this week, I did it. I went to grab my phone to call Him and then realized can't do that it's exciting when you know the creative unit of the universe as your heavenly Father. It is exciting and overwhelming when you know the Saviour of the world as your Lord as your Saviour as your friend, and he's so gentle he could have come in. He could have ripped, he could have kicked the door in and said, see that box? No, he didn't do that. I had to find it. I had to stumble upon it and go, oh my goodness, I didn't even know it was there. So now we say, lead us not into temptation. Don't let us yield to whatever the enemy wants to do. Keep us from the evil one. Keep us from evil and the evil one. I I pray that almost every day. I know who the evil one is. I know who his kingdom is. I know what they do better than most. I walked in their world for decades, from the time I was born till I got saved in 1988 at the age of 32. I know how they work. Keep us from evil and the evil one. Keep us from temptation. Because, Lord, yours is the kingdom I seek, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Oh, I know they turned that into a liturgy and a doxology, and they turned it into a ritualistic prayer, the exact opposite of what he told us to do. But when I say those words, I am speaking to him. Even if we were in a room together and I said, all right, let's let's say the Lord's Prayer, we would be praying together, but I would be praying to him. I'd be talking to him. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says, The Lord's Prayer was given as a lesson in prayer. As such, the simple model surpasses all precepts about prayer. It suggests to the child of God the proper objects of prayer. It supplies suitable forms of language and illustrates the simple and direct manner in which we may trustingly address our Heavenly Father. It embraces the elements of all spiritual desire summed up in a few choice sentences. For those who are not able to bring their struggling desires to birth in articulate language, it provides an instructive form. To the mature disciple, it ever unfolds with richer depths of meaning. Though we learn these words at our mother's knee, we need a lifetime to fill them with meaning and all eternity to realize their answer. When I, when I saw that today, that really hit me, that section right there, and I knew I had to share it. So if you're one of those people that wrote me and said, I struggle to pray, I don't know how to pray, my prayers aren't being answered. Not as a ritual, not as a form or a formality. Start out with Matthew 6. Open your Bibles. Go to Matthew 6, starting with verse 9. Say, Our Father in heaven. Maybe you want to say, Our Father in heaven. Maybe you want to say, My Father in heaven. Hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, remember, we're all in this together, so this is a corporate prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, Lord, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from Hasatan. Deliver us from the kingdom of darkness. For yours is the kingdom and the power. And the glory forever. Lord, we, we, I forgive. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, Lord. And if I've forgotten who I need to forgive, tell me. See, when you say those words out loud, what I just did was spontaneous. It just triggered. It triggered an emotional outburst. It triggered a feeling of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He pulls you. He draws you. And you begin to speak, and you begin to pray, and then you remember the person that, oh my goodness, Lord, this person, they're about to be evicted, or they have no food, and tell me what to do, tell me how I can do it, maybe I can go get them something. Whatever it is, Lord, tell me. I'm going to say something, this isn't judgment, this isn't condemnation, but it just tells us where we are as a body. And maybe you didn't get the newsletter. Or maybe you did. But within that newsletter, I made a comment about a pressing need. A need to prevent a potential catastrophic event. One person reached out to me. But then the conversation went to their need, forgot about what I meant. But here's what I have found. People are so beat up by preachers and teachers asking for money. They've been so wounded by the wolves in sheep's clothing and the charlatans. They click off. Something goes click, and they don't hear, which is why I don't normally do it, because I don't like what they do. I'm offended by what they do. And my attitude has always been, if the Lord's going to fulfill it, he's going to fulfill it. But every now and then he says, make your need known. So I do. I grit my teeth while I'm doing it, but I do. But here's the point I'm making. He has to humble us. We have to be willing. We have to be open. And we have to care about one another. We should do all good to all but especially of those in the household of faith we should be blessing one another we should be saying brother i don't i don't have much in my bank account what can i do for you how can i help you we need to care about one another and i think that's what this whole behaving like a believer is about Because the war that we're in right now spiritually and the war that we're about to go into, we're going to need one another. We're going to need to be able to help one another. We're going to need to be able to do what the book of Acts Church did to make it through to the other side. So the Lord's Prayer is the model of praying And it is the template for us as a believer that the Lord wanted us to have tonight. So, Lord, I hope I did it. I hope I said what you wanted me to say. But if not, the Holy Spirit will fill in the blanks and he'll do what needs to be done. And I thank you for that. And I'm asking right now, Lord, teach your children to pray. Give them words that pull down strongholds and open prison doors. Give them the words and the faith to pray away cancer and bitterness and unforgiveness. I'm going to talk to it right now, Lord. To that unforgiveness that has become a root of bitterness, that has manifested itself physically in that person's body, I speak to it in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords, and I curse you at the root to wither and die. But I speak to that person to let go of that root of bitterness and forgive. Now, Lord, teach us. Teach us how to pray. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to speak. Teach us how to do everything you need us to do so that we can be what you need us to be in this fallen world as the enemy is making its move, as the Antichrist is gloating and getting primed and ready to step out on the world stage. I know this isn't real spiritual, Lord, but I just want to stick a finger in his eye and say, sit down, be quiet. It's not your time yet. Empower us, Lord. Shine your glory down upon us. And I just pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Before I close this out, before I give you that final blessing, please take this seriously. Please, if you know somebody that needs it, share it with them. Say, hey, take a listen. We're entering a place of a point of no return. Wish I could say more. I wish I could share with you what the Lord has shared with me, and maybe I will soon I do not I d I don't I don't know. I'm not one of those people that likes to run around and thus says the Lord. By the way, he doesn't speak like that. He doesn't speak King James English. He just speaks. But anyway, if he was going to speak anything, he'd be speaking in Aramaic or Hebrew. But whatever. That's just me. But here's the deal, folks. We're in this together. We better start caring about one another, and we better get back to basics. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.